All right, so we're back here on another special edition of Couch Coach Live. Well, today we'll be previewing the my personal favorite, the Atlantic Coast Conference. And I got my guy here, Zach, from the Blue Bloods podcast. What's going on, Zach? Uh, not much, man. Glad to be here another Saturday. And I know this one's personal to you, so I made sure to <laughs> throw, th throw a few Tar Heels into my you know, whole spiel. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's always welcome here. You know, definitely appreciate it. Yeah, this is like you said, a, a personal favorite of mine, and it's just with me growing up in, in Virginia, it's pretty much ACC country. Besides, you know, North Carolina and what have you. So yeah, this is one of those where you know, more so than the football play, the pageantry, um, just all the trap bangs that college football is, and you know, that's that's what makes ACC one of my favorite conferences. But yeah, man, we definitely got a, a great show for you for you guys today. So, Zach, um, what are the games to watch um, this season for the um, in the ACC? Man, so I tried to pick a few conference games. I, I felt like I was kind of being tough on that, only picking non-conference. So I got a few, but there's an obvious one, man. And let's just say September fourth. The only game that matters that weekend really is Clemson versus Georgia in North Carolina, in, in the Carolina Panthers Stadium. I mean, that game, the ramifications in terms of playoff, in terms of legacy, in terms of everything like that, there is nothing bigger than when the Bulldogs and the Tigers are going to take the field that week. You have JT Daniels as a starting quarterback for Georgia, you have DJ making technically, I mean, not his first start, but his first, you know, actual, like now you're the face of this program. You have a lot of new defensive pieces for Clemson, especially in the back end of the defense with Mike Jones on the way out. That game really and truly with Alabama having a new quarterback, Ohio State having a new quarterback, that game really honestly is probably going to determine who the number one team in the country come week two is. That's that's like how big this game really is in terms of magnitude for college football. And then on the flip side, man, the conference game that I'm looking forward to most, and you'll you'll like this one because it was a blowout last year. It, it's not going to be this year if I had to guess. And that's Miami UNC October 18th. That game is really going to determine who is going to be the number one challenger for Clemson this year. It. Last year, Javante Williams and Michael Carter really put a number on Miami, and they probably are going to have to build statues of both of those guys outside of Hard Rock for what they did to the Hurricanes last year. 500 yards rushing, but both of those guys are gone. So now it's going to be, can Sam Howell or can De'Aaron King really be the face of this program and lead either team to a win? Because both teams have questions surrounding the running back position on their team. So I don't think you're going to see 500 yards rushing from UNC this year, but one of those quarterbacks absolutely could have a, you know, an impressive year. And I'm very excited to see the secondaries against those quarterbacks. you got Storm Duck. you you got um, the freshman Grimes for UNC going up against De'Aaron King. You have Tyreek Stevenson headed down to Miami at that safety spot, and you have a little bit of experience returning on that back end of that Miami defense. I'm pumped for this game. It's going to be one to watch. And then another game is Florida State-Notre Dame. That is Sunday, September 5th. It's that Sunday game in that primetime spot. Week one is my favorite week. We got games from like Wednesday to like Monday for college football. It's amazing. Florida State and Notre Dame, those interesting college coach because 
in my, you know, Florida State probably isn't going to win the ACC. I don't think anyone watching you, myself, think Florida State's a realistic contender this year. But what it's going to do is if Florida State can pull the upset over Notre Dame, think about what it could do for the perception of the ACC, what it can do for Clemson, especially if they lose the game to Georgia. The ACC has to have Florida State beat Notre Dame because what's going to happen is with Clemson with that one loss, they're going to need the resume boost. And so the perception of Clemson's strength of schedule is really tied to whether Florida State can make that game against Notre Dame competitive because Notre Dame's still going to be probably a top 10, top 15 team going into this game. And so that's a huge game for Mike Norvell and Florida State. And then the last game is kind of tied to the Florida State game. It's a perception game for the ACC, and that's Pitt versus Tennessee. September 11th, week two. That's a huge game because, one, Tennessee has a new coach. Tennessee has a new quarterback. And their quarterback might be Hendon Hooker from Virginia Tech, who just transferred in as well. So there's a lot of ties to the ACC. There's a lot of question marks surrounding Josh Heupel in Tennessee. If Pat Narduzzi and – Pitt can't pull out a win here, that's a huge, huge negative, you know, taking point away from the ACC in week two. The ACC, just like the Pac-12, has to win their non-conference games. Pitt versus Tennessee, Florida State, Notre Dame are really going to help solidify the perception of the ACC. Then you got that game, Miami, UNC, and Clemson, Georgia, that just are huge games for the conference as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, these are very pivotal just for the, you know, this, this trip of the conference where when it comes December, when it's time, you know, for the committed to vote for the four, you know, ACC, you know, like those games are very pivotal to to have those decisions made um, going forward for the uh, college football playoff. So who are the players to watch in the ACC? Oh, man, I had to correct myself, so I was prepping for this, taking notes, and I found myself I had all defensive players, and I'm like, I can't do that. That's that's too far the other way. So I got two defensive players for you and an offensive guy, and the first one is probably as a guy everyone should know, but honestly, I feel like he's getting overshadowed, Couch Coach, and that's Miles Murphy, Clemson defensive end, edge rusher, Brian Barisi, Tyler Davis, you know, all these guys are going to take the attention away from Miles Murphy just because Clemson has such an abundance of talent on that front seven. But I think Miles Murphy is the best defensive lineman in the ACC and on Clemson's roster right now. And I think, Couch Coach, I am here to put it on wax. As mm-hmm. my guy would say, you got to put it on wax. Miles Murphy yeah. has the potential to go down as the best defensive lineman in Clemson history. I think he's that good. And you know the like long lineage of D-Lyman coming out of this program. I think he's that good. Last year as a true freshman, almost 40 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss, four sacks, three forced fumbles, and was the number one pro football focus run defense graded player in the entire country as a true freshman. And that was without us that was without a spring practice to learn the system. That was without summer workouts to get used to his teammates. That was with really with a short and fall install where this was all just based on talent. And this wasn't a prep from Dabo Sweeney or Brent Venables. This was honestly just him going out there and being that good. 
And another interesting stat I came across is he had the longest streak of tackles without a miss at over 30 consecutive tackles this season without missing a tackle as a true freshman. And he had a 17, almost 20% pass rush win rate last year as a true freshman. This guy is 6'5", 280, but he has the athleticism of just – I don't even know how to even explain it. This guy gets me so excited. He's one of my favorite players to watch on tape, one of my favorite players to watch on Saturday. I mean, when you look at this Clemson D-line, man, who do you double team? Is it the number one recruit in the country, Brian Barisi? Is it the fresh ACC freshman of the year from two years ago in Tyler Davis? Is it Miles? Is it Xavier Thomas who won the ACC defense player of the year a few years back or was in contention for it? Or is it KJ Henry who was a former five-star defensive end? And then on top of that, you have Venables who is a blitz-heavy guy. Do you have to double-team the blitzing linebacker or DB off the edge that he brings every once in a while? The ACC is in trouble this year. This D-line, I don't think you've seen anything like what you're going to see this year coming out of Death Valley on this D-line. Miles Murphy's at the head of it, and I had to mention him. But, Couch Coach, I got you something here. Tony <laughs> Grimes from UNC yeah. is my next pick. Yeah. This kid, to, he, so for, you, for people who don't know, he reclassified like in like May last year and decided, hey, I'm going to reclassify, finish high school, and go ahead and come to college early. So he's 17 years old, walking into UNC late without a spring, and earns a starting spot by the end of the season. And that just impre- that impresses me beyond anything, that you can come in, not really know the offense, and be so talented already, you get a starting spot next to Storm Duck, who is arguably one of the best corners in the country. And it's all about speed with him. He, I, If I had to put money on who the fastest player in the ACC was, I'd probably put it on Tony Grimes right now. In a game um, in his senior year of high school, he got clocked on a grass field with helmet, shoulder pads in the middle of a game, getting getting clocked at going 20 miles per hour in under four seconds. That's how fast this kid can accelerate in the game. That's not a 40-yard dash. That's not on a track. That's, that is on the field in a game. So just imagine how fast this kid can be as he matures into his body at only 18 years old right now. And – Last year, Couch Coach only allowed eight catches in almost 200 cover- coverage snaps last year, only allowed 89 yards against him, and only allowed one explosive play over 15 yards. His his week one coverage grade was a 49. By the end of the season, he was grading at almost an 80 in the co- in coverage grade. He was learning, maturing. If you get now that you gave him an offseason to prepare, Storm Duck and Tony Grimes are as scary as any DB duo in the country. And I'm expecting Grimes to really make that jump from really good to elite this year as a corner. And I know that gets you excited because this oh, yeah. kid can ball. And, oh, yeah. you know, shout out to Matt Brown. Anybody who doubted him if he had anything left in the tank is getting proved wrong. He is recruiting at, a, I think, even better level than he was at Texas and a more impressive level than he was at Texas when he left. And I'm so impressed with Matt yeah. Brown. But the the last player here, man, before you know we move on, is Jameer Gibbs. Now, I know not a lot of people might know this kid's name because he plays at Georgia Tech. And let's be honest, you know, there's if I asked everyone listening to raise their hand if they watched Georgia Tech play, 
not many of y'all would raise y'all's hand unless they played your team one time. So, Jameer Gibbs is one of my favorite players in the country, and I think this year he has a chance to make a run at the Doak Walker Award. He was a preseason first-team All-ACC running back selection and ranked second in broken tackles per rush attempt, only behind Javante Williams last year as a true freshman. And he's one of the best pass-catching running backs we saw. He was second in receiving grade last season, only behind Deuce Vaughn, who I mentioned last week in our Big 12 episode, and had the number one yards per route run for a running back. They put him in the slot a few times, and I really want to see Georgia Tech do that more often, man. If If Georgia Tech puts him in space and lets his athleticism, speed, and physicality take over, I don't think anyone in the ACC can realistically stop him week in and week out. Last year, he had a great year, but this year, I think Gibbs is the is going to lead the ACC in rushing this year and can make a serious run at the Doe Walker, like I said. So watch out for Jameer Gibbs over there in Georgia Tech, even though that team has a lot of holes elsewhere. Jameer Gibbs is going to be that bright spot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Tony Grimes, the 757 product, um, product out of Princess Anne. Yeah, yes, yes indeed. He's such a baller, man. <laughs> that kid. That kid's a future, like that, that kid's a future, possibly like top fifteen, top ten pick. I mean, he's that good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So Zach, who you sleep is in the ACC? Man, this one was hard because you know you can pick because so, everyone might be a sleeper depending on how you look at Clemson. Yeah, but I included Miami. I included UNC and Clemson as really the favorites that, you know, wouldn't really qualify as a sleeper because UNC was a top, UNC and Miami were top 10 teams last year. UNC was the top five team. So you can't be a sleeper when you were that good. I like Boston College. Now, don't quote me. I'm not getting them to win the conference, guys. Calm down. All I'm saying is, especially after how they played in their biggest games last year, there was a lot of what-ifs in that schedule. That four-point loss to UNC could have been totally different if one or two plays went the other way. They only had a six-point loss to Clemson against the starting quarterback they're bringing in this year. And that loss to Notre Dame, now I get it was 14 points, but that was a one-score game for almost the entire game. They found themselves with a chance to win in the second half in every game other than Virginia Tech. So I really like Boston College because a lot of those teams, when you're looking at teams who could break out or be a sleeper, it's mostly the team that had a lot of close losses, and then the next year they learn to finish those games off. So if that happens for Boston College, they absolutely can find themselves in the running for the ACC. And their conference schedule, their schedule in general, might be one of the easiest in the ACC, which which also makes a perfect sleeper pick. They get Colgate, UMass, and Temple is three of their non-conference games. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain that's probably a 3-0 and record. And then they get Missouri, which is a tough SEC opponent, but yeah. it's a winnable game, especially because Missouri has to go to Boston. They have to travel all the way to Boston to come see them, and, I, and that's not an easy trip for an SEC team to go up to the Northeast and face a Boston College team that's going to be ready to play. Clemson's the toughest game, but they miss – the cross they missed that cross division matchup with UNC and they don't play Miami. So they missed those two big games off their schedule and they get their two hardest other two hardest games, Virginia Tech and NC State at home. 
Huge advantage there to get those two games in your home stadium. Phil Dracovic should be much better in year two. The O-line ranks as the second best O-line in the conference right behind Clemson. And Zay Flowers and Jalen Gill are going to be huge targets on the outside. It's going to be a tough road, Couch Coach, but I don't think people should be surprised when Boston College might be second or third in the conference right there behind, you know, a Clemson, a UNC, someone like that. And then on the flip side, there's NC State. And a lot of people, I think, are sleeping on them. And they were 7-3 and three last year. And I don't think a lot of people realized how good they played down the stretch. Listen, injuries are always happening in the game. But I don't know who on NC State pissed off the injury gods. But I have never in my entire life covering college football seen a team that was more impacted by injuries than this NC State team over the past probably two, three years. Two years ago, there was – I think they were missing 13 starters at one point in the season. That doesn't even make sense how that many starters get hurt. So if they can avoid that bad luck, they can make a run. And they get Mississippi State early. That's going to be important, but Mississippi State's beatable. Clemson week four is always tough. But then there's also back-to-back road games. Boston College on the road and Miami on the road are really going to determine how NC State's season kind of progresses. And then Devin Leary's back at quarterback. That's why I like him. Devin Leary was playing out of his mind early in the season last year and went down with a knee injury, was out for the season. So they went 7-3 with a backup. And Devin Leary was balling out, and they were competitive early. So with Devin Leary back, Zonovan Knight at running back also back, that's going to give them a consistent rushing attack and that short short yardage game figured out. The biggest question is D-line, man, but if they can just – so if they, that offense is, can just outscore everyone because everyone knows it's an offensive league nowadays, yeah. NC State could be a problem. So I'm going with NC State-Boston College here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and a lot of people, you know, like you said, like, NC State was kind of like the one that kind of surprised people and they were, you know, kind of came out of nowhere last year. And like you said, it could continue this year as well. So round out our preview for the ACC – yeah, I'm going to ask you the, the million-dollar question that might be a 10-cent answer, <laughs> potentially. A million-dollar question, a 10-cent answer, potentially. But um, <laughs> who would win the ACC? House Coach, you know how yeah. – you feel like I'm an honorary UNC fan, especially yeah. after you know, uh, last year. I just can't do it. I like I, I can't. I'm sorry. I, I I was I was I was prepared. I was like, should I do it? Should I like pull out the shirt? Should I, should I should I take a chance? I just don't see how UNC can pull it off against Clemson this year, man. Um, I do have UNC going to the championship game though. I do have them facing Clemson, but the problem is for me when I look at the matchup, quarterback. That's a huge W for UNC. I think Sam Howell is better right now than DJ is. Running back is a toss-up because neither I don't think either of us can really pinpoint who the go-to running back is going to be for either of these teams with Etienne, Carter, and Javante Williams all off to the draft. Wide receiver, I think you got to lean toward Clemson because of Justin Ross coming back and in you know UNC losing Diami Brown and a lot of those big targets. And this is the matchup why I can't pick UNC, man. Is that offensive line going to be fixed? Yeah. That offensive line was almost got Sam Howell killed against Syracuse last year. And they struggled against Florida State really bad with the O-line too, which is why they ended up losing that game. 
what are you going to do? I, I highlighted earlier, who are you going to block against Clemson when they come to town? Uh, you cannot – I don't I, – I don't. I never call out players, but whoever the right tackle was last year, god-awful. I mean, he was staying straight up in a defensive end would just come off the edge and not even get a hand put on him. If you let Miles Murphy come untouched off the edge, mm-hmm. Sam Howell is going to get decapitated on the mm-hmm. field. And you you even look back two years ago when they played App State. We had him on our show. Demetrius Taylor from App State had like three sacks that game, had a strip sack, took back for a touchdown. You have to do better against elite talent. And right now, man, the biggest question for UNC is the offensive line. And when you have a gen- – I must call it a generational defensive line for Clemson. If you can't win the line of scrimmage, it's going to be tough. But I do think the secondary against DJ, if these teams match up in the championship, would be electric. To see Storm Duck and Tony versus DJ and Justin Ross and all the wide receivers that Clemson puts out there. But right now, man, I just think Venables and the way he schemes up defenses, that the old, the one thing you cannot have against Clemson, especially with Brent Venables as the D coordinator, is a bad O-line because they are going to eat you alive. And that's the only reason I can't pick UNC, man, as much as I want to. So I think Clemson wins a close one over UNC to win the ACC this year. Yeah, don't feel bad. I I, I did the same thing. I, I had Clemson win this division as well. But I said, Carolina, <laughs> Carolina, it's gonna be it's gonna be a close game in the championship game. I think it's it might be endless similar to you know the 2019 matchup and the 2015 matchup. But hopefully, if Clemson does do an onside kick, that you know, <laughs> Listen, onside Matt, kick. <laughs> Matt Brown's gonna be prepared for an onside kick. Matt Matt Brown's been coaching for too long to sleep on an onside yeah. kick. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I yeah don't don't feel bad, Zach. I felt the same way, even as a as a Carolina guy. I you know, like you said, we, we're being you know we're objective. We know you know we we keep it we keep it we keep it in a buck, but we know uh, what clips. Don't get it twisted though. If if UNC yeah. comes on and wins, we're gonna have a celebration episode. I'll even go get me a UNC jersey to put <laughs> yeah, in the background. Yeah, we're, yeah we're definitely yeah and, yeah. <laughs> we most definitely will if it does come to that way, and and then you know we if we beat Clemson, and then you know potentially we'll. Could potentially be in the college football playoff discussion um, that late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. I tell, tell, yeah, that would be a uh, that be a nice little Christmas gift <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Christmas will definitely come early if if Carolina doesn't make it to the college football playoff. Absolutely. <laughs> but hey, you know that's that's why they play it on the field. It could potentially happen, but you know that's but, true. As, right? as we, cra- yeah. Crazier upsets have happened. Literally, when <laughs> yeah. I forgot who beat Clemson in Death Valley in 2016, I feel like it was Pitt or somebody, and just came out of nowhere and beat them. I mean, it it was yeah. bad. And Clemson's had a with a new quarterback, a new running back, with all the you know pieces maybe not fit, and there's questions yeah. about their old line as well. So mm-hmm. you never know, man. Yeah, because cause that was what Nate Peterman, right? Remember, was that Nate Peterman? Yep. yep. Yeah. Nate Peterman. <laughs> Nate, Nate, <laughs> Mr. I throw more interceptions than completions in the NFL. <laughs> yes. Nate Peterman. Yes, indeed. Yes. Yes. He's, I think he still has an NFL job. I, I don't know if he's still yeah, open he was, or not. He's a, yeah, he was the star of uh, Hard Knocks. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, mean, yeah. I think he's still well, at Oakland by Las Vegas, but yeah. <laughs> It's tough. It's such a bad. It, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and like you said, and I, and and that's the thing about this conference. 
you're bound to have one of those like kind of a weird game where, you know, you know, an upset will fall and you it'd be like one of the ones just come out of nowhere. But um, yeah, this and, and out of all the conferences, you can at least I wouldn't say guarantee you, but it's about a nine nine percent chance that an upset is gonna gonna happen. In, you know, in this conference, big time. Handshake and one of that. Mm-hmm. That, that's why that Georgia game is so important for Clemson. Because if you lose that game and then yeah. get upset by Syracuse again or get upset by Boston College, like it's it's going to be a tough road because then you're going to be two losses and everyone's already looking for a reason to keep you out of the playoffs. Exactly. And then, <laughs> right. And then they're going to talk about the ACC expanding and, uh, oh, and you know, they're going to, I don't know if that's going to happen, but Notre Dame ain't going to. They're gonna try to beg Notre Dame to come, and Notre Dame probably like, nah, nah, it's not gonna happen. That with, with <laughs> they just got a new TV deal with uh, well, I think NBC yeah. owns it, but I think their games are gonna be playing on Peacock this year. Oh, if I'm not mistaken, or at least their first one definitely is. And yeah. So they got the TV deal, man. They got the brand. I I don't think um, until yeah. the college football playoff forces their hand and says if you don't join a conference, yep. You're not in the playoffs. Notre Dame probably won't ever join a conference because there's no incentive to. Why would they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you said, and that's why. Like, and the funny thing about, like you said, they have their own brand, and wherever they go, they're the prize. Like yep. you know, we talked about Notre Dame last year. It was like, yeah, they're bringing their NBC as dog conference, which kind of adds a little bit of validity to the conference when you got, you know, a team that was in the top 10, top five last year, that helps, you know, that helps kind of bring the conference to it, but it doesn't gain Notre Dame nothing because like you said, and like we talked, and uh, I talked on one of the previews where the biggest game like for Carolina is the October 30th game under the lights at Notre Dame, because that essentially, that's a primetime game, you know, on NBC. So it's just like, that's, that's a major game, but and that's only on our end where, because you know, we look at it, if Notre Dame could come in that contest, maybe, you know, five and two, six and one, or potentially seven and oh, all that's going to do is just going to help Carolina's profile, you know, big time. Because regardless of what Notre Dame, you know, even because you know, we know how Notre Dame is, if they get to that point where they only lost one or two games, they're still in the picture, <laughs> you know. So Notre Dame is in such a, such a great position where it's like, hey, you know, it don't matter where we at, we we good. So y'all, you know, it's a great bargaining piece. If you know, if the AC one day they will have to come with a heavy check, like it's gonna, you yeah. know, it's gonna, yeah. And you know, we covered it on our podcast about the options for the ACC to really expand. And like, yes, you would love to get Notre Dame, but the realistic options really would be yeah. maybe at Appalachian State, uh, UCF. Um, someone like that where, you know, you could get an up-and-coming team that probably honestly deserves a Power 5 shot, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, Appalachian State has done everything you ask. They've been winning the Sun Belt. They've been competing against Power 5 teams. And then you got UCF, who I think since 2016 probably has deserved a shot at the Power 5. And now you got Gus Malzahn down there from Auburn. And yeah. they're recruiting at such a high level and everything like that. So, I honestly think that the ACC has options. And what if you can get a four-team deal and get a Notre Dame, a Memphis, um, 
an app state and a UCF. I feel like the ACC would honestly probably benefit from that. And so I think they have options. But like you like you mentioned, the golden gem would be Notre Dame. If you can convince them for some reason to bring that program into the ACC, it's going to make everybody better. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, ACC going to have to come up with a, with a golden check, a blank golden check at that. A, bl- a blank is right. You got you don't don't even fill it out. Just just hand them a checkbook. And then let them fill it out. And yeah, and let the bank tell you what the amount was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, let's put a bow on uh, this preview, Zach. So Zach, um, final thoughts and uh, social media and plug um, in the upcoming projects you got. Oh man, I appreciate it. Now you can find us on YouTube, man. That's where a lot of our content goes first, at least. So tonight, actually, we're doing a live Sunbelt preview. We're going to be breaking down kind of like what we did here, give our official predictions, everything like that. So if y'all want to tune in, it's just um, the Blue Bloods on YouTube. And I think it's youtube.com slash C slash the Blue Bloods if you want to like type in the whole URL. Finally got a custom URL on there. Uh, and interviews, man, we've had so many. Uh, Morris Joseph from Memphis joined us last week. That was a huge one. And we're kicking it off next week with Kyan Howard from North Carolina A&T, one of the biggest, most powerful HBCUs out there, man. You know, senior linebacker there. So uh, we got some stuff set up with some last chance you stars that have been on that show too. So Make sure to check us out, man. We we would appreciate it. And on social media, it's at the underscore Blue Bloods. Yeah, yes, indeed. Definitely looking forward to that. Definitely, um, you know, like you said, uh, what you got going next week and then going forward as well, man. And, um, yeah, once again, another great show. And then uh, so next week we're doing the Big Ten. So yep. we'll be talking about Ohio State, uh, Minnesota, <laughs> Michigan, all, you know, at the Big Ten. And then we'll be working our way to the SEC, you know. So, oh boy yeah that'll be fun you know <laughs> yeah you know, so yeah this has been this uh week's power five preview where we preview the acc i um, definitely thank you again zach once again for coming on zach sure, the blue bloods podcast and i uh, will catch you guys next week man this has been a special couch coach live